What up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to the SIGS Inside Podcast inaugural edition. My name is Aiden. I'm Nick. I'm Ben. And I'm Jack. What we're going to be getting into here is kind of a mishmash of sports, betting picks, and maybe some real life stuff. We'll see where it goes. But for today, we want to start with some general breaking news. Unfortunately, Pedro Gomez and Vincent Jackson both did pass away this past week. So I just want to talk about those two for a little bit. I know for me personally, growing up in Sarasota, Florida, a little bit of doxing going on there, but I grew up playing as the Buccaneers. I was a Bucs fan for a long, long time. And I know Vincent Jackson was always one of those dominant, dominant receivers for me, at least that I really kind of looked up to and thought, you know, wow, this guy, you know, he knows his stuff. He was awesome for the community too. So anything you guys want to add to that? I know Vincent Jackson really put up for my fantasy football team pretty much every year. Yeah. He started in Los Angeles, I guess, San Diego, right? Yeah, with the Chargers. I, I know he had a Drew stop Brees? there. He was Philip Rivers' main guy. For Rivers. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think – him and Breeze may have had a year of overlap, but – Okay. He was 2005 to 2011 with San Diego. There Let's may see. have been a year of overlap in there then. Yeah, uh, I think there might have been. Because Breeze, when was his first year with uh, Saint or not Saint, the Saints? Check. Um, I know he was there in 2009 when they beat the Colts in the Super Bowl, but I think that was like his second year with the team, maybe. Okay, Drew Breeze was there 01 to 05. Okay, so they so there, there would have been a year of overlap. He was just a rookie. Yeah, yeah. He's huh. another small school guy that. I mean, he was a three-time pro bowler I saw, another guy that made it out. Um, I know I always enjoyed watching him with Phillip Rivers. They were always one of the main combos in the NFL during, like, when I was growing up. So, um, definitely one of the top receivers when I was watching as a kid. So, it was tough yeah. to see that the other day. What college did this Jackson go to? I believe it was Northern Colorado. Yeah, of course, he had that litany of quarterbacks, too, in uh, Tampa and still managed to get yeah. a pretty good career out of all of it. So, you know, it sucks to see. Same with Pedro Gomez, too. Both of those were mm-hmm. just super, super unexpected. Um, Pedro mm-hmm. was someone I had watched, too, for a while. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, every, so. yeah, every ESPN, like, night game, the big games, uh, I'm, he was always on there. I always enjoyed watching him, you know. He was, I know he was big for the Hispanic community as well and with baseball. Um, so that was another tough loss. Uh, 58, that's gone way too soon. Yeah, so. I know. He was a classy guy and, like, a very good face for the baseball. So mm-hmm. it was tough to see him go. It's going to be really weird just starting off the season without him. I'm sure there will be a huge tribute at oh, the yeah. beginning of the year. Well, Absolutely. I mean, like, right away, as soon as the news broke, just the amount of tributes that were outpouring, you know, from all the big ones, you know, whether it was Rosenthal, Passan, or any of the, you know, MLB on ESPN guys, just immediately kind of shows you kind of the character that guy was. Yeah, he was so one of the last in, good ESPN yeah. guys, too. Yeah. So, in, uh, true that. And somewhat less somber news, uh, still kind of sucks. Trevor Lawrence did have surgery on his mm. – Shoulder, left shoulder, not throwing shoulder, should be ready for camp. It is a relatively major surgery, though. So, kind of sucks for him. 
uh, he still, you know, despite all that, absolutely killed it at his pro day slash scouting right. combine replacement, whatever you want to end up calling it. So shouldn't affect mm. much, but definitely something to monitor going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think it was impressive that he wanted to throw at his pro day, uh, even electing to have the surgery afterwards. I mean, that's a big, especially with no combine this year, that's a big, obviously he's consensus number one, but that could have, I mean, added some question marks. Um, I mean, sounded like he did really well at the pro day and he said that his surgery was a success. So that's good news and good news for Jaguars fans as well. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I I don't think it's going to affect anything. So I don't know. I just think it's kind of a non-story in terms of the grand scheme of things. Obviously it's something to look at, but I don't think that's anything that anybody's going to worry about. Especially since it's a non-throw shoulder. If I was like a fan, a Jaguars fan, number one pick fan, I wouldn't be too concerned with it. Yeah, There's something and, you to know, monitor going forward for sure. I, I think it shows kind of what kind of competitor he is too. You know, mm-hmm. he came in from day one at Clemson. He was, you know, he was the guy in high school throughout the entire country, frankly, for right. the majority of it. Comes into Clemson, mm-hmm. lived up to the name, and then you know led those teams to some pretty massive success. You know, playing through injuries, whatever it had to be behind some relatively poor offensive lines too. I mean, granted, with the amount of weapons you have. It, kind of makes up for it a little bit, yeah. but definitely shows the type of competitor he is. Now, in definitely more positive news, the NCAA has announced that there will be fans for March Madness being held entirely in Indiana, which, of course, for three of the four of us, that's great news mm-hmm. since, you know, residing in Indiana. Fortunately for me, I am, quote-unquote, stuck here in Florida, but still overall just a oh, great development. So yeah, I know, right? Not in the snow or anything, but definitely a great development moving forward here with kind of on the – track back to normal operation if you will. yeah so one thing to add just for that i mean it's not actually all fans right now it's just only family and friends but they have come out and said that they want to have to oh sorry they want to make sure that there are fans of all sorts there they said they're going to be looking into different testing methods in order to get to get fans in so i mean we went to a, we went to pacer game when was that i don't know like a couple weeks ago and <laughs> Basically, what they had you do was take a little test, and on that test, it, w- it would say, uh, "Have you been like contacted with co- somebody with COVID?" And then if you said no, they'd let you in. So like, there's pretty much no testing. But what I read, so uh, when was this? Yesterday, the Bucks announced that they're going to have fans for the rest of the season, and in order to get into the stadium, you have to take a rapid test three hours before. Everybody in the stadium is supposed to go to F- the Pfizer Forum take one three hours before and then they're allowed in so i could see that being a solution to all fans being able to get into the ncaa tournament and something that we could probably see in the future for like all fans in all sports i know in uh in tampa go ahead uh, another thing was uh those covid sniffing dogs in at the heat games um i mean (laughs) i didn't see if those had any success or uh, how they even trained that but I mean, if that's something that's working and something that would be able to allow fans back in arenas for all sports, I mean, that would be a great thing. But, I mean. Yeah, I'm sure they're still having, like, socially distanced, like, all throughout the stadium. I don't really see Mm -hmm. them kind of packing it in. Unless they do do, like, they have everyone get that rapid test. 
and everyone comes back yeah. negative, but I just see them like kind of spreading them out all around the arena. And it, it's relatively easy to do in those types of stadiums too. I know yeah. I went to the Raptors season opener in Tampa, which is still a very strange sentence to say. And they pretty much only said, you know, if you've, if you have COVID or came into contact with COVID, just don't walk in the building. So yeah. there was absolutely nothing outside of once you got in there being extremely spaced out, which was, it, it was definitely interesting. I never at any point that I feel, you know, concerned for my health, considering the closest people to me were about four or five rows back, even lines for the bathroom, just non-existent, which was really cool. But I think the most interesting thing about that, if you're sitting anywhere in the lower bowl at one of those games, you can hear everything as if you're sitting courtside at one of the games. I totally cool. agree. And that's one of the good things about this whole COVID thing is that you hear what the coaches are yelling and what mm-hmm. the players are yelling to each other. You can hear literally what every, everyone yep. is saying. Exactly. And there was, a, there was an NBA scout directly in front of us for the Phoenix Suns that was documenting every single play that they were doing. And it made his, he was saying, we had a little conversation with him. He was saying it made his job so much easier because he could hear the actual play calls from some of those vocal point guards like Kyle Lowry, for example, was calling out every single play that they were running right before the action would actually start. And he'd be able to write down, document that, and they'd have that information going forward. So it definitely adds a really cool element going forward, removing those fans, although it is going to be very nice having them back finally. Totally agree. So speaking of NBA, we're going to get into some NBA talk right now. Starting with the hottest thing out of the West, the Utah Jazz. About the only thing warm in this country besides Florida at the moment is this Utah Jazz team. They're absolutely on fire right now. Just really incredible what they've been able to do. Quinn Snyder owned Coach of the Year honors, or Coach of the Year, rather. Sorry, uh, All-Star honors for the Western Conference. So they have been absolutely killing it this year. Anything you guys want to talk about with that? Yeah, uh, I was impressed with them in the bubble. I thought they really were starting to come together uh, and build build up momentum for this year. And I'm shocked that they're number one in the NBA right now. Uh, I thought they'd be a good team, you know, with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Uh, I mean, you got Clarkson coming off the bench, who's puts up 15 a night. Uh, they got a bunch of solid role players that are fitting really well. And I think Donovan Mitchell just keeps getting better and better. And I think they're a fun team to watch and they play really tough defense. I mean, they've been, they've been winning most of their games and they've been winning by a lot too. It hasn't yeah. been close games. So I think going along with that, like they have the superstars kind of and Donovan Mitchell and like Rudy's obviously a dominant big man defensively and offensively, but like their ball movement, like, their ball movement is insane. They're very unselfish, and then they come back and play great defense. And, like, I feel like you don't see that a lot in the NBA today with, like, guys who just isolate, like Tatum. Like, we'll just take them one-on-one, not really, like, they're more of the team style basketball, but Utah's really, like, moving the ball. Like, they don't care. They just want that open shot, which I think is kind of mm-hmm. cool to see. Another thing to note, they've been doing all this without Mike Conley for the past about two weeks, and Mike Conley's a dog. I mean, we've been watching him play – for what, like 15 years? Yeah. And once he comes back, I don't think it's going to mess up any of their mojo. They're just going to keep going. They took on the Sixers, the Suns, I think. There are a few games, tough games, hot teams, and they have, they've just taken care of business. They definitely beat the Bucks, who at the time were on a four-game win streak. Now they're on a four-game mm-hmm. losing streak. But at the time, they were hot, and then they just took them down without Mike Conley. And I just think it goes down to the role players, kind of like what you guys were saying. Joe yeah. Ingles and Bojan Bogdanovic. 
I had to make sure it wasn't bogged down. Yeah. Uh, those two, they've just been great for them. It's just don't forget about Niang. Oh yeah, oh, Niang's yeah. awesome. I'm always going to talk about Niang. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, touching on Jack's point about good ball movement. I mean, having those shooters, anyone on that team can shoot. I mean, other than Gobert from deep. Mm-hmm. that's a dangerous squad, especially making a playoff run and combining it with a good defense. Um, obviously, Quinn Snyder, they're well coached. Um, and I think he's got them in the right mindset. And I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the season. I mean, they look like real contenders right now. Mm-hmm. You guys think that they're going to – go ahead, yep. I was going to say, I think the thing that's impressed me the most about them is like those role pieces, the depth. I was not expecting Jordan Clarkson to become a six man of the year contender, potentially even front runner for it. And mm-hmm. seemingly out of nowhere, all these guys just took pretty sizable steps up. I wasn't huge on that jazz team last year. I thought that there were a lot of holes in their depth that were really exposed when Bogdanovich went down. I thought that would kill them. It didn't hurt them quite as bad as I thought. So that was kind of a little bit of a sign of things to come here and then this year you know they really came out rudy's living up to that super max contract donovan mitchell's you know a bona fide superstar and all those role players are contributing night in night out and they're they're a relatively deep team too which is you know in a smaller market like utah you have to get stars through those homegrown methods Mm -hmm. if you will so really Mm -hmm. really impressive stuff for them to be able to do yeah you gotta be able to draft well and develop those players to become you know what they're doing right now and Mm -hmm. another impressive thing coming in this year for the Jazz is I know there were reports that there was some tension after uh, that Rudy Gobert you know at the beginning of COVID when the season shut down kind of how the chemistry would be with that team and I think that it's been impressive that they've been able to, you know, obviously they had the bubble to kind of rekindle that and them playing well, I think helped that out a lot, but I think Quinn Snyder's been doing a really good job and it's going to be a fun season to watch them. Yeah. So one thing I just want to add, I feel like a lot of these teams, there's a lot of teams that have great regular seasons and then kind of fizzle out in the playoffs just because they rely on that depth to like have those great records in the regular season. So that's something that we're going to have to look forward to because obviously the Lakers maybe don't have the best record right now, but they definitely have the best starting lineup in the West for sure. I mean, you can make the argument that the Nets have the best starting lineup in the NBA, Mm -hmm. but just for example, that's why I think the Jazz might struggle when it comes playoffs in that Western conference final game, assuming they get to that point. And another thing that you have to add is even though maybe they don't, that record like will inflate and they might not be the one seed, the favorite, if they can make the one seed and then be the two, the two seeds are the Lakers and the Clippers. That's going to force out one of those two teams that everybody's afraid to play in the playoffs because you're taking on Kawhi, taking on LeBron. You don't want to play either of those guys in the playoffs. It's the Utah Jazz, so it's really important for them to get that one seed and potentially avoid like the two LA teams. And yeah, I mean, those are just some definite points that I think we should have mentioned. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see this Jazz team. I was not expecting them to come out this strong. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell had that great uh, bubble, but so did Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray beat them in that bubble. So it was kind of interesting to see that they came out even hotter than the Nuggets. You would have expected kind of the Nuggets to come out with that momentum, not the Jazz. But obviously, like we've said, those role players have really killed it for them, and I'm excited to see how they go. Kind of just shakes up to what we thought was just going to be a chalk type of division in the West. Yeah, and, you know, it definitely helps to having that 
defensive player of the year front runner once again kind of you know setting the pace on defense with all those offensive contributors up front if he's not necessarily you know blocking shots he's preventing teams from even thinking about driving in just because of his presence there which allows some of those worst defenders if you will like Jordan Clarkson to be able to focus entirely on scoring, playmaking, whatever they need to do on the offensive end because they know Rudy's got their back on the defensive end. 100%. So speaking of uh, getting their back, uh, Steph is back and better than ever. He has been absolutely balling this year, just almost on that MVP pace that we saw previously. It's definitely been, I feel like when Steph Curry is on, it's kind of like USC football in a way. It's just better when USC football is good. Hasn't been good in a while, but with <laughs> Steph Curry, he's been good for a long time, and he's seemingly holding that uh, momentum, if you will, for the time being. So pretty, pretty cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I love Steph. I, it's so much easier to root for Steph when KD is not there, when Clay's mm-hmm. not there, when he's just the one-man guy. It's, Steph's a great player to watch. He's super fun. It's kind of back to like we were Jack and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago or last week. It was like when he was pulling up from half against the Thunder. That's kind of what yeah. this uh, little stretch he ha- he's had is reminding me of. And it's definitely thrust him at the beginning or to the front of the MVP discussion. I think he's definitely at least the fr- not the front runner, maybe. If not the front runner, he's definitely top three for me. He's just been awesome. He's carrying a Warriors team that really should not be in the playoff, cons- like in the top eight consideration and just off that roster, in my opinion. Uh, and he's just been killing it for them. And I, I'm really happy to see it. It's really easy to root for Steph Curry, especially when he's playing as well. And it's yeah. awesome to watch. It's even better to watch him when he's pulling up from 45 feet with a guy in his face. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looks Good like dog. he's having fun again playing. And even though he doesn't oh, yeah. have his – He's giving out the shimmy, that old Steph shimmy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though he doesn't have his guys with him like Clay and – KD left, obviously, but – and Draymond's not the same. But, you know, he's 32, coming off an injury, played five games last year. I mean, he's been back, and he's been really good and really impressive, and I think he's good for this kind of transition period where the Warriors are playing with a lot of young guys, and I think he's a great role model. And, um, obviously, his play does the talking as well. So – yeah, it's fun to have him back, uh, especially when they're not winning every single game and there's actually could be different champions, but uh, happy to have him back for sure. Yeah. And, you know, with this Warriors team, I've watched a lot of their games. There's, it, it was, it's been very fun watching them kind of piece things together. They started out, you know, super, super rough and blown out. People are saying, oh, you know, is this it for Steph? Is this it for Steve Kerr? Is he going to finally adjust? And as, you know, as a lot of those guys started playing together in that new system, you know, Wiggins is in his, what, like, he's at the halfway point of his second year with them, something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you have Oubre, who's brand new, hasn't really contributing. For them to be sitting in that eight seed right now, given, you know, with without Clay Thompson and with all these new pieces fitting into the offense, that, you know, you have to rely on Andrew Wiggins to put some scoring up, <laughs> which is not an easy task at all. I think that's super, super impressive, personally. I wish Clay was there, too, because if he was, in my opinion, there would be a top four team in the West. You think they they are going to make the playoffs? Um, I just feel like there's a lot of competition in the West. Obviously, they have that um, – the NBA has that 10 seed again, so there's 
a better chance for them to make the playoffs this year? Do you think that's something that we should expect from the Warriors this year? Or do you think that they're probably a year away from getting everybody healthy and then obviously having Wiseman have a year under his belt, things like that? So I think a lot of that's going to come down to what their potential deadline strategy is. There's no real motivation for them to tank at this point. They've kind of won their way out of that. And that Timberwolves pick is their form of tanking anyways. They have a top three protected pick from the T-Wolves in that D-Low trade. So I think they'll they'll definitely be one of the three teams in the play-in tournament. I think right now they're playing about to what their record should be at around 500, if not maybe a little bit better than it should be. Mm-hmm. But just looking at some of the teams beneath them, I'm, I'm not huge on too many of them. So beneath them, you have the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Rockets, the Thunder, and the T-Wolves. So T-Wolves not going to compete. Thunder could potentially compete. I'm going to lean towards no. Rockets, no shot. Kings, probably not. And then you've got, you know, those, that 9-10-11 seed right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another overachieving team, too, in my opinion, is the San Antonio Spurs I'm not 100%. huge on them either, and they're currently the sixth seed. So given kind of the state of the West, I don't see a lot of those teams really improving per se. I could see some falling off and saying, you know, let's let's just start this rebuild early or let's just punt this season. So long-winded way of saying I, I think they will at least make the play-in tournament, if not straight up steal a seventh seed or something along those lines. What about you guys? I mean, I'm, I'm expecting the Mavericks to make the playoffs. I mm-hmm. think I could write them in between the sixth to the eighth seed. If they don't make yeah. the, between the six to the eight, that's pretty bad for Luca, in my opinion. That kind of hurts pretty much everything that Luca has been putting out all season. Mm-hmm. And they, they have a good enough roster with. I don't think that should be an issue. Steve Carlisle is a great coach. So between that, um, Steve Carlisle, that's not the right name, is it? Rick. Is it Rick? Rick Carlisle. Yeah. Yes. Who's the, who the hell is Steve? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Pelicans. I I love their roster. I don't know. They're all, they're pretty the young. Pelicans teams. are so likable. Not really but, sure about them. Same with the no. Grizzlies. I'm a big fan of their roster too. Xavier Tillman's been awesome for them, which I really like to see. And I mean, I, and uh, Desmond Bain's been great too. And then I, I'm not high on the Kings, but I'm high on De'Aaron Fox, and I'd yep. love to see a De'Aaron Fox playoff run. I don't know if that's going to happen, but out of those teams, kind of what we've been mentioning, I don't see a reason why the Warriors don't make the playoffs, at least into that nine ten playing game at the very minimum. Mm-hmm. And with as long as everybody stays healthy, obviously that's a that's the main concern is yep. with Steph. And then if they can get Wiseman back and playing like consistent minutes, consistent uh, how he's how he played at the beginning of the season when everybody's like, damn, this guy might be a lock for the rookie of the year. Like the first couple of weeks, like when he played against the Bucks on Christmas Day and everybody's like, this guy looks like he's the real deal. If they can get him going the second half of the season like that, I don't see them. I see them in the playoffs. Obviously, once they make the playoffs, I don't think they're making much noise. But it's always nice to see Steph in the playoffs and you can always – Root for him, and if anybody can do it, it's got to be Steph Curry in the eight seed, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I mean, I think that Dallas will find their way up into the playoffs. I mean, they had that rough stretch uh, towards the beginning of the season, but they've, they've looked a little better in their more recent games. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a three-way battle uh, Golden State, Memphis, and New Orleans kind of for that eight spot. Um, and I agree. I think one of the teams in the playoffs right now will probably fall out. Uh, San Antonio. Phoenix has been impressive. Uh, we'll see if they can hang on with that. Um, you know, but I think Memphis and New Orleans have a little better overall roster than Golden State currently. Uh loaded with young talent 
But I think that Steph Curry experience, playoff experience, if it comes down to that playing game, I think that might put them over the top of those other teams. Um, and yeah, Steph Curry got, still got Draymond Green. Like, I can see Draymond yeah. Green kind of stepping it up, putting his foot on the gas pedal, like, later in the season. I think a lot of Draymond's issue, too, is he's still in that playmaking defensive utility man role yeah. without – the guys around him necessarily you know if mm-hmm. Ubre is not if Ubre is doing what he was doing at the start of the year Draymond becomes pretty much Relevant. useless on that yeah. one end of the court obviously defensively he's still going to be running everything but he's kind of the uh the life force of the movement of that offense you know you obviously have steps scoring you have steps gravity which can't be overstated but you know Draymond's playmaking ability directing guys where to go just making constant smart decisions so long as it's not a three-pointer from half court with eight seconds left <laughs> overall he's he's had a pretty good track record of making those right decisions so do we do we like the idea of this playing tournament i know last year personally in the bubble i absolutely loved it i think it's a great idea i don't see any reason i think there's a lot of teams that are there's a lot of parity at the back end of both conferences more so the west this would have been great in the west like two years like three or four years ago when like the West was absolutely loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, the East, not so much like always the back end of the East is always pretty bad, but like you can't obviously have one conference, have a play in tournament, the other one, not. So in terms of that, I think I love it because last year, imagine the Suns make the playoffs. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Obviously they didn't, but they had a chance to, and it would have been really cool to see them make that run. And honestly, I think they probably would have gotten that eight seed if that would have been the case. They were so hot. And speaking of the Suns, I know you said you don't think, Kylie, you don't think they're going to make the playoffs or that you think they might fall off one of those teams. I think that team is really good and really dangerous in the playoffs. And I love Chris Paul leading that team with a bunch of young studs. But that's... I think the Suns too will benefit what you were talking about earlier, Schultz, too, of, you know, not necessarily playing those 12 guys deep, but having seven or eight contributors that come playoff time, you could just play those guys, get as many minutes out of them as possible and just have that non-deep rotation really carry you through a lot of those games. Because with, you know, with that Suns roster, it's, it is pretty loaded with talent up front. The depth is somewhat shaky as you get yeah. down, but it, when I say somewhat shaky, it's like, do you want to play Dario Saric at backup center? Or do you want to play Frank Kaminsky back there? So it's, it's not like these are horrible players either, but mm. there is definitely a little bit of drop off there. Whereas you have a team like the Spurs, I'd say at the top of the Spurs roster and the bottom of the Spurs rotation, the difference is a lot smaller than a team like this Phoenix Suns team. I totally agree with that. So bump it over to the East here. Uh, let's talk about everyone's favorite team, year in and year out, the New York Knicks. <laughs> I've been watching a ton of their games. One of my best friends is a diehard Knicks fan. My whole family is from New York. My brother picked up the Knicks like three years ago out of seemingly nowhere. But I've watched – Probably more of their games than OKC games. And for those of you that don't know, Oklahoma City is my favorite team. Knicks being the second. So just curious to get your thoughts on it, on them. They're going, they're going as far as Julius Randle takes them because apparently he turned into a 40% three-point shooter over the offseason. What a weird So sentence. if he continues like that, and like I said, the East, bottom of the, the – the Hornets are the eight seed. They're not – I think the Knicks probably have more talent on that roster than the Hornets do. Yep. So as long as they can find consistency, I think picking up Derrick Rose is a great addition 
to come off the bench or even start, depending if they want to move away from Alfred Payton, who I'm assuming still starts? Yeah, he shouldn't be, but he does, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I mean, I'd even probably prefer quickly to Alfred Payton. Yeah, Alfred Payton's the ultimate wild card for them. It's like he'll either contribute and get like a triple-double in the first quarter or he'll single-handedly lose them the game. It's really impressive that a player like that can have that kind of variance from game to game. Yeah, I think they're a fun team to watch. I mean, they've got a lot of young talent. Uh, Quickly's really stepped up. Uh, I mean, he was a late first-round pick, but I think if you redrafted it, he'd probably be a top-ten pick this year. Um, Obviously, he's got that signature floater that (laughs) everywhere has been hyping it up a ton recently. Um, I mean, he's averaging 12.5 off the bench as a rookie. It's pretty solid. Um, And I think R.J. Barrett's really made a big step this year as well. Obviously, as a third pick you got some high expectations. Um, and I think going to New York, a big market, it's tough as a third pick, but I think he's really stepped into his own this year and he's still 20 years old. He's got a lot of growth still. So, you know, I think a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of RJ's growth uh, has been due to having that. I'm, I'm not sure how much he's actually grown at the end of the day. I see a lot of similarities in his game this year from last year. But I think a lot of it comes down to the team he has this year is just miles better than last year's, you know, just even in the starting five. Julius Randle was obviously there last year, but the majority of their possessions last year involved Alfred Payton throwing to Julius Randle, Julius Randle doing a bunch of spin moves and then passing it back to Alfred Payton. They'd have like two passes per possession just between those two. And then they'd either kick it out to RJ Barrett for a last second three or get a shot clock violation that's how bad it was so I think that coaching comes in you give him a little bit more of that structure and the results his play style kind of caters towards that it's it's almost like the what people used to say with Russell Westbrook way back in the day when he was you know still athletic rest in peace but with you surround Russell Westbrook with shooters and he'll become you know that MV, the actual MVP that he was awarded, you know? So I, I think with RJ Barrett, it's a similar situation here where you give him help, you give him talent, you give him a little bit of spacing to work with and he'll thrive. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Another thing that we should look at too is just like Obi Toppin, Kevin Knox, Austin Rivers. If any of those guys start performing off the bench, that's another weapon. And all three of those guys should be more than capable. Obi Toppin is obviously a top 10 pick. And then Kevin Knox obviously hasn't been great at the start of his NBA career, but you saw the talent in Kentucky. He was, he's a good player. I think he has some good tools. And then obviously we know what Austin Rivers has been able to do throughout his career. He's only averaging what, seven points. I think I read. Yeah. Something like he, yeah, he's battled injuries too. Yeah. yeah. He definitely the one has. Thing I don't like, go oh ahead. Again. The, one, the one thing I don't like about Obi is the amount of threes that this dude takes. Like, the next draft was kind of like a big man, kind of like I feel like power forward. And he's like, there's been games where he's taking nine threes, and he just sits in the corner and he's like acting like he's Kyle Korver in the corner. <laughs> like that's a Knicks guy. Like I can't stand that. I was like, why do we draft you if you're just gonna take three, like eight threes in the corner? So I think he kind of needs to figure out like a different role. Uh, he, I don't think he's not a shooter. So right. uh, that that frustrates me. I think having him in that kind of like modern day Stoudemire role. I think if you know if you play Amari. If, if you're drafting Amari in today's NBA, I'm not saying he's Amari Stoudemire at all. I think it is a 
I think there are some similarities there, but you know, if you play Amari Stoudemire in today's NBA game, instead of those mid range shots, it might be corner threes, but him taking yeah. two a game and shooting 28%, that's a, uh, that's a little bit much <laughs> definitely for me as well. I've, yeah. I've noticed that too. And it, it stinks too. Cause while he is young in NBA league years, he's turning 23 in March. So he's, he's up there too. Yeah. yeah. I was concerned about that pick from the beginning, just because coming out of Dayton, he, where did he, he went like, did he go Juco before? I think he went Juco before and then yeah. went to Dayton. And then yeah. he, he pretty much blew up in like a half a season to a season yeah. at Dayton. And almost all of his plays were all about efficiency around the rim, just dominating the A-10. This dude had NBA level athleticism playing in a league that does not have NBA athleticism. And right. I think that was a big reason why he was such a great player. Obviously, that Dayton team was also stacked with Crutcher and their other guard. That name is escaping me. But those two guys and Obi Toppin were just so much better than pretty much every other player in the A-10. And I think that really helped his draft stock. I think it would have been nice for him to get some better competition involved. And obviously, that's not his fault. And it's obviously going to allow him to get a big payday uh, right off the bat. And I really hope he – like. Uh, improves because I I really enjoyed watching him at Dayton. I think he's a fun player to watch. I just think he needs to figure out how to bring that efficiency from Dayton over to the Knicks. And like you guys have all said, corner threes are efficient for most players, but apparently for Opie Toppin, they're not efficient. <laughs> so I think there's maybe pick and roll needs to be something that they need to implement more him because he's very athletic. He's quick. He can move laterally. I think that would be a great way to involve him in the offense maybe, but yeah, I don't yeah. think this is the year for him to like make that leap. So I think a full off season will probably help too. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty sure too. He was another guy also that had some sort of, I think there were relatively minor injury issues, but if I'm not mistaken, he was battling a few injuries here and there. I think if there's oh, anywhere for yeah, him, he to, definitely was. If there's anywhere for him to learn too, or for him to learn from, I think Tosh Gibson is an. You could not get a better mentor for mm-hmm. a power forward trying to find their way in a league than a veteran like Taj Gibson especially mm-hmm. under a guy like Tom, Th- Tom Thibodeau who's yeah. known for you know being that presence in the league for however many years he's been there and had relatively high success levels too I'm just okay, looking so- at the east who do you think in the east is the number one contender or do we have a few what are, what are our thoughts I mean obviously the Sixers are at the top right now Nets have a loaded starting lineup and play no defense the Bucks are struggling right now. Celtics, inconsistent. Pacers, inconsistent. And besides that, not really worried about the rest of the East because apparently yeah. the Heat are now bad. <laughs> yeah, I think um, obviously Philly bringing in Doc Rivers was huge. I think they've been playing a lot better basketball this year. Um, the Nets obviously can strike at any moment with that talent. You know, Milwaukee's got Giannis and Middleton. Uh, I think that adding Drew Holiday, it's kind of been a slow start for him. Uh, I think that towards the end of the year, they'll find their rhythm and be back dangerous again. Um, I'm excited to see what the Pacers look like with TJ Warren and Karis LeVert back. I think both of them should be rejoining the team relatively soon. Um, they, I mean, they've been playing 500 basketball. They were really good at the beginning of the year, and 
Sabonis has kind of fallen off a little bit lately. Um, what do you think about the Pacers sitting at the five spot right now? I mean, they're missing two starters. I think they're a team to watch this year as well. Yeah, so to me, I think the Pacers, I kind of have the East in three different tiers. I'd say the top is going to be Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. That's I don't really see that changing unless Boston makes some kind of unheard of blockbuster trade for a player that I don't even know who they could trade for at the moment. That could really help them out. And then that second tier to me is a lot smaller. I've got Indiana and Toronto and kind of that second tier of teams. I think Toronto, if you give Toronto a center of some sort, could be Andre Drummond. He would honestly fix the majority of the issues with that team. I think a lot of Toronto's issues at the moment are because they don't have a competent five. And if you give mm-hmm. that Toronto team a competent five, I think they could very well be in that Indiana team where it's not in the same tier as that Indiana team where it's not necessarily a super contender, but it'll be a type of team that could give some issues in a you know seven game series. And uh, Boston's it's Boston, Indiana, and Toronto in that tier. And then there's kind of the rest of the playoff guys, which the Knicks, the Hornets, I feel comfortable saying that about them. And then the other three that I don't even really want to talk about, Bulls, Heat, Hawks, rest of the East, essentially. You know, maybe Washington finally fires Scott Brooks and gets their stuff together. But to me, that's kind of how I see the East shaping out. I really like – I like the Bucks still. I'm also from Milwaukee, just to preface this. But their four-game losing streak's been with Drew Holiday – out on COVID. So he's been out for the past, like, I think it's been the past five games since yep. pretty much the entire trip out West. So they started out on a three game winning streak without Drew Holiday. And then they finished the, they finished the uh, away stretch. And then this past game yesterday, they played the Raptors and lost again uh, without Drew Holiday. So as soon as he gets back, I think they'll get back up to that consistency. They just lack a consistent third scorer right now. Right now it's Giannis and Middleton and Middleton played awful last night. Uh, I turned the I turned the game on midway through the third quarter and he was shooting free throws and he had three points at the time on one of three shooting. He had shot the ball three times. Chris Middleton, three shots, three quarters. And I was like, oh, is he just like not playing? Were we resting him? 27 minutes, most minutes on the team. Three, not and no, like I think there maybe two assists too. He was like, holiday. that's something you need if you're going to beat teams. So I think Middleton usage wise, if we can figure that out, He's a, he should be the main facilitator on that roster, him and Drew Holiday. It shouldn't be Giannis. Giannis should be a pick and roll and get in the, get in the paint and beat him. So if the Bucks can figure that out, which they kind of did before Drew Holiday got injured or COVID, uh, I think they're the main contender. I think defensively, we're probably the best out of these teams in the East. Maybe the Sixers, I think that would probably be the best yep. uh, counter. But I just like the Bucks roster a little more. Obviously, I'm definitely biased. The main thing for the Bucks to lock that in is like a confident number one seed would just be maybe replacing Brooke Lopez. He's so slow now. You just put him in a pick and roll and it's an automatic bucket pretty much every time. So we've been using Bobby Portis a ton more and I love him. He's the best player on the Bucks. But yeah, that's my thoughts. Nets need to figure out defense in order for me to even talk about them. Yeah. Agreed. Agree with that. I think, I think to me too, Sixers are kind of the – best all-around team at the moment but I could see the Bucks taking that step up either due to them getting their own stuff under control or 
one of those injury-prone guys for the Sixers getting injured. I really, really like that Sixers team, both for the coaching changes they made as well as, you know, the roster construction. You bring in Seth Curry. Danny Green's been inconsistent for them, but he's, you know, on defense, he's consistently giving you that threat. They can go – that's another one of those teams where they could go eight deep one night. They could go ten deep another night if they really had to. So they have a super amount of talent on that team. Tobias Harris has been – awesome to watch this year you know you got Tyrese Maxey off the bench too absolutely balling out and Joel Embiid's an MVP candidate which shouldn't be too surprising but he's been consistently playing like one this year which has been super nice to see especially given people have been saying for the past shoot since Ben Simmons got drafted that Embiid and Ben Simmons can't coexist together so it's nice to actually see them with this kind of structure with this roster in place finally able to put those you know to put everything together here don't forget about Shake Milton. That guy has yes. been awesome off the bench, too. Mm-hmm. They're just loaded with these smaller guards that can shoot the hell out of the ball and give you pretty much whatever you need. It's a super, super deep team there. Mm-hmm. All right, final thing for the NBA, and then we'll get on to some college hoops. Awards right now. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and run through them. Go ahead, give me your favorite as well as someone who you could potentially see and make a run at it so we'll start with the the big one the mvp i'll start with you kylie who do you think is your favorite at the moment for the mvp and then who could potentially take their spot um you know i really like Jokic's game this year um obviously the nuggets struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year um but that's a big guy putting up triple double almost every night. Um, no, nobody that size can pass like him. Uh, he gets a bunch of rebounds. He makes great passes down the feet or down the court. Uh, those hail Mary type passes. Um, I think he's probably my front runner right now. I think that the nuggets will end up having a pretty good win loss at the end of the year. I think it's just kind of beginning of the season blues right now. Um, I think Giannis is going to finish the year strong and come for his back-to-back-to-back. I think that's somebody to keep an eye on. Um, He hasn't been having the same numbers this year. And, you know, obviously numbers aren't everything for MVP, but I think – they're going to finish really strong and he's going to be a big in the main part of it. So that's somebody who I think could make a push towards the end of the year. Schultz, what about you? I think I know the MVP answer. (laughs) You'd you'd think, but dude, there's no way they get back to back to back. And honestly, he hasn't been playing nearly as well as he has the last two years efficiency wise or otherwise. I'm not expecting Giannis to win the MVP this year. If the Nuggets can figure it out, and finish top four in the West, which I don't see why that can't be a possibility. I think Jokic should be the front runner, but right now, rocking the eight seed, I don't think he's going to grab that MVP. So I'm thinking Embiid or LeBron are definitely the two favorites right now for me. The NBA, like they're always going to want to give LeBron the MVP just to like validate him being LeBron James. So I'd say LeBron's probably my favorite just because he's all he should always be the favorite, even though. If, even the numbers, even if the numbers aren't there, I think he's obviously still going to be at the top of the list. I was looking at the Vegas odds right before I started talking to. He's number one. Makes no sense to me. I think Jokic should probably be number one, or 
so it's LeBron. I'm looking at it right now. This is on DraftKings. It's plus 180 at LeBron, plus 450 Embiid, and plus 500 Jokic. And if it was up to me, I'd probably flip those three odds. I'd probably have Jokic one, Embiid two, and LeBron three. I think that's a pretty fair indication of how the season's been so far. But like I said, obviously MVP shouldn't be a team award, but it it is. And a lot of times your team needs to be performing at a level that an MVP needs to carry it to. So I think Jokic, like I said, can. And that's going to be – I think Jokic getting the MVP is dependent on Jamal Murray figuring out how to be a consistent number two. So in order for that to happen, I think that's how Jokic gets the MVP. And I'm really hoping he does because I love watching that dude play basketball. Mm-hmm. Alan, what about you? Yeah, you know, I think if Gold State keeps winning, wins some games that, you know, they aren't expected to, I think why not Curry? This guy's going off. He's going off. He, he, like, I don't see why not. If he's carrying them into the playoffs, like, why wouldn't it be Steph Curry? He's balling out. His shooting percentages are through the roof in, like, his past eight games. And if he can kind of, like, keep it going, like, why? It's, it's, I think it would be easily Steph Curry. But, you know, coming up, I'd like to – I mean, my second probably be LeBron. Just because with AD going down, I think this is kind of a big push maybe for LeBron put up some big numbers like going into the next few weeks point. I could definitely see like if he starts going off and the Lakers are still winning without AD then I mean I feel like it's got to be LeBron then yeah agreed I think my my kind of issue with it being LeBron as of right now I think if LeBron plays the rest of the season he's probably gonna end up being MVP in my opinion but I don't see that happening given you know the shift towards load management with where LA will be even without Anthony Davis, they're going to be able to punt some regular season games and let, you know, some losses pour in here and there with just affording LeBron the rest. I think right now it's probably Embiid for me, but long-term, I think a dark horse got to watch is Damian Lillard. Kind of like that Stephen Curry situation where if they keep this production up, my only issue with giving it to Steph as opposed to Dame is Dame's doing all this. Obviously it's a better team, but Dame's at the fourth seed doing it and as we talked about it is somewhat of a team award and the only person to win I want to say that's been beneath a three seed at least maybe even a two seed is Russell Westbrook he got a six seed so to give that to an eight seed he would have to first off you'd have to have all the guys at the top kind of fall off and he'd probably have to up his points per game by like four or five he's close Mm -hmm. right if you know if the Warriors were more successful I think it would be him right now but I think if Dame and Steph end up putting up similar stats, you know, both not only scoring wise, but with the rest of the rest of the doc. Dame's averaging right now 29 and 7, which I didn't even realize. I had no idea his assists were that high. I knew yeah, that I mean, scoring would always be that high, but 7.4 assists a game with 4.4 boards, too. That's super, super impressive. So I think Dame's definitely that kind of dark horse guy to watch for me, at least. And that pains me to say, as you know, he did kind of ruin OKC, quote unquote, ruin OKC long term with his shot over Paul George. But at the end of the day, he is absolutely incredible. If you haven't watched what he did against Oklahoma City last night, you absolutely should. He single handedly kept OKC out of that game. I'm convinced Portland honestly let OKC back into the game just so Dame could go absolutely nuclear. <laughs> he had a he had a step he had a step back over Lou Dort who is a defensive player of the year candidate, just hit a step back right in his face like it was nothing. It was absolutely incredible. All right, rookie of the year, same deal. Who we got? 
Kylie, I'll start with you again. So I think obviously the popular name here is LaMelo Ball. Uh, he has lived up to the hype, maybe even better. Um, but personally, I think that Tyrese Halliburton should be rookie of the year. I think what he's been able to do efficiency-wise and, um, you know, he's shooting almost 50% from the field, like 45% from deep. I mean, as a rookie, that's that's true shooting ability. And I think, I mean, he brings that Kings team to a whole nother level. Um, and obviously he's not, he doesn't have the name like LaMelo does, but you know, I think that's somebody to keep an eye on and probably number two right now. Yeah, right, Schultz, I'm going to say probably the same as Ben right now, as those are the two front runners. I really like Halliburton as well. I just think he's got an all-around great game. He's a really smart player for a rookie. Um, so I'm just going to say a third one that I don't think he's actually going to win the rookie of the year, but I think his, he's going to do a lot, uh, and especially the next couple of weeks with uh, D'Angelo Russell out, and that's Anthony Edwards. That dude, he's been playing a lot better. He's been got getting a lot more consistent minutes too, and I think that's only going to get better with more consistent minutes. I think he'll probably – I don't know if he'll start, actually. Is Rubio? It'll probably be Rubio, right? He'll start. He'll start. Yeah, so I think Edwards – I think he's going to end up probably being maybe even the second option. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be Ball in the in the end of the day just because the name recognition, Andy's putting up the stats to at least back it up. Even if he was, like, comparable, it's going to be Ball just because of branding. Same thing with LeBron, in my opinion. But I think Edwards is going to make a nice push towards the middle of the season and maybe even towards the end if he – keeps those consistent minutes and consistent scoring just because of the opportunities he's about to get. So yeah, those are my three, I guess. Yeah. And I kind of agree with Kylie and Schultz on that one with uh, LaMelo ball being number one, Tyrese number two. Um, I don't see anyone beating LaMelo to be honest. Uh, I'd like, I'd like quickly to make a push on the Knicks, but I think he needs to get his minutes up. Um, But I don't see anyone beating LaMelo. Agreed. And I, I think the interesting conversation comes down to those all rookie teams because I, I don't think rookie year is going to be close barring injury. I, I think it's going to be LaMelo on a relative landslide. I think my second favorite right now is honestly Anthony Edwards. I love Halliburton. I wish Halliburton didn't get hurt in college because he probably would have been a top five pick that mm. his, after his freshman year instead of being top 10. His assist to turnover ratio back then was absolutely insane just you knew right away this was a super smart player that would play like a veteran at a young age and that's exactly what he's done here so I think Anthony Edwards to me is that kind of runner-up I think he will actually start with I know against the Lakers the other night he their starting lineup was this is painful to read but it's it was Ricky Rubio Malik Beasley who's been awesome Anthony Edwards Jared Vanderbilt and Carl Anthony Towns so I don't see him getting removed from the starting lineup there's a shot too when Angela Russell comes back that he still ends up starting. I, I think what they'd end up doing is moving Rubio to bench Rubio yeah. to the bench from everything I've seen from Rubio. It's been pretty bad, honestly, not quite sure what happened with him. He had a good game the other night, but I think Anthony Edwards to me definitely has that game last night, put a lot of people on notice to what he's been doing. It's his best game to date. His just his athleticism, and just the way he carries himself is really, really interesting to watch. He just, he's built like a football player. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he played full. He said it himself. He would have rather been a football player than a basketball player. <laughs> Such a ridiculous thing. So. I, 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 I absolutely, I loved it. Guy's an absolute character. His interviews are awesome. But you know, he's built like that, and he uses that to his advantage at mm-hmm. every single part of the game. So you know, if that's outside shooting, he can do that. He'll gain consistency as he gets more comfortable. But he's just got this super, super solid all around, almost like a throwback slashers type of game with a little bit of an outside shot mix in that I really enjoy watching. Sixth man of the year. Same rotation. Not going to say the names this time. Just go ahead. Give me your picks. Um, try, to, try to remember who went first. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good six men out there. Very important position to the team. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I really like Jordan Clarkson. Um, I know he starts a few games here and there just because of how talented he is, but he mainly comes off the bench. He's mainly their second unit leader. Um, I think he is a name to keep an eye on. He puts up numbers. He's a scorer. He doesn't do a ton of other things, which might hurt him in the conversation, but I think just the way that the Jazz are playing right now and the way that he's been a part of it, I think is should definitely move him up towards the top. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't know. I think Jordan Clarkson's probably going to be the favorite because six man of the year is almost always just point dependent. That's usually just how it works for six man of the year. Uh, Except for last year. I really like Chris Boucher. I think he's great for six man and also most improved. So I think it would be cool to see him get one of those two. I don't think he's going to get most improved. But I'm sure we'll, we're going to mention that next. But uh, I don't know. I, between those two, yeah. And then Bobby Portis isn't going to win it. But, like, I kind of say it as a joke, but also Bobby Portis has been playing very efficient basketball, and he's been yes. awesome. And he's been the most valuable player off that bench on in Milwaukee. And I really think – like, I would – so this is also – like, I was looking at the odds for this one. Jordan Clarkson – I just looked it up. Jordan Clarkson is minus 305. Chris Boucher, Boucher plus 600. And then – Bobby Portis plus 15,000. That seems way too high for a dude that's the most <laughs> yeah. most important score off the bench for the Bucks. So, I don't know. I think it's it's probably Jordan Clarkson. He's going to get minutes. His role's not getting diminished and they're going to have to rely on him if they're going to continue to be this good mm-hmm. and they're going to be probably top 5 in the East, maybe maybe top 3. I mean, their record's probably going to right now can allow them to stay top three, if I had to guess. Yep. So, yeah. yeah, I'm thinking Clarkson too with that. Um, I don't have that much log, uh, knowledge on Chris Boucher, but right now I just think it's Clarkson. Just I don't know. Yeah. It's Clarkson. Boucher's just cool. He blocks shots, shoots three-pointers, <laughs> super efficient. Yeah, Boucher's been one of those guys, even since college, it, it's just like this – Clay pro kind of like what they talked about Thon Maker being just mm-hmm. this like clay ball of whatever you want him to be. He's he's got the length for it. He's got obviously way more athletic than Thon was. Uh, maybe eighth grade Thon had a leg up on eighth grade Boucher, but you know, with Boucher, he was just this ball of clay that you could make into kind of whatever. And Toronto's known for known for doing that mm-hmm. with whoever. I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I think Clarkson's definitely number one. I, it's it's hard for me to kind of come up with someone else that could even give Clarkson a run for his money because I just don't 
see it all at all. I think Boucher would kind of be that other one. I think the what what you say plus fifteen thousand for uh, that's that's Portis. Portis, yeah, that's way too high. Absolutely, way too high. I don't know how that determination was made because yeah, looking at some of the guys ahead of him, like just even in top five, it's Shake Milton who I like, mm-hmm. Montrezl, not, eh, not really, Goran, I can mm-hmm. see, and then Chris Boucher. So I feel like, you know, with the uh, with Portis, he could definitely fall into that category. So I, I think it, it's it's Clarkson's to lose at this point. I'm still a little salty about. Schroeder not getting it last year. Frankly, I think that was his award to lose, given you know it's all about points and everything. To then give it to the big man, just uh, that was a uh, Harold won it last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that uh, definitely rubbed me the. I think uh, Schroeder finished third. I believe that was voting. just an, it's a Los Angeles award. Yeah, I, that one really frustrated me because I absolutely love what Dennis Schroeder was able to do with the Thunder last year in that three-point guard lineup. So, mm-hmm. all right, most improved. This one to me is the most exciting award outside of i'd say mvp yeah i feel like there's so many different ways we can go with this i know who my pick is i've been rooting for him ever since the offseason i'll save that until the end though yeah so uh you know one guy i'll mention uh christian wood he's really coming to his own in houston it was unfortunate that he's been battling some injuries i don't know how long he's out but if he's able to come back and play the way that he was playing, he'll definitely be a candidate for this award. But I'm going to go with Jeremy Grant here. Um, You know, I loved watching him in the bubble and I'm a Pacers fan and I really wanted them to go after him. Uh, This was, he was a free agent this past year. I think, um, you know, having an expanded role in Detroit, um, obviously they're not really good team, but, He's been having a really good year. He's shown that he, um, you know, can be a starter, can have those minutes and produce. Um, But another guy to keep an eye on is Jalen Brown. Um, He's gone from a very good player to an elite player this year. Um, He's always been solid on the defensive end, but his offense has really picked up this year and he's been really fun to watch. I mean, He's almost going up there with the 1B with Tatum on, in Boston. So he's an eye to, uh, a guy to keep an eye on. Obviously, he's already a big name. So don't know how they would look towards that for most improved. But he has become an elite player. I agree with Kylie. Top two, definitely Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant, in my opinion. I would much prefer to see Christian Wood do it just because of what that dude has been like he was an undrafted uh, free agent bounced around the league kind of bucks uh pistons pelicans he, he was one of those sixers and... process guys too i think what'd you say yeah i think he, he was, was on uh, one of those for he, he was on yeah, he, he was on the process first. sixers yeah yeah so he's been all around the league already he played he killed it on the bucks g league team i was hoping he'd stay there and then we traded we packaged him in a trade i believe uh but anyway, I just I love he took a chance on himself, went to Houston, even though he kind of had that solidified role in uh, Detroit. He went down to Houston and he's been a beast. He was there. I mean, without Harden, he was carrying that team. He, without him, that team was awful. So I really, really like him. I think another guy that's worth mentioning, we've mentioned him a few times, is Julius Randle. Uh, stats wise, he hasn't put up like crazy uh, 
like point scoring like totals compared to like his previous seasons. He averaged 21 a game uh, two seasons ago. Yep. Uh, yeah, two seasons ago. Um, but like just that three point percentage alone is so impressive. He's been a career 30% three point shooter. And to go from that to a 40% three point shooter, I think is something that I don't think he's going to win, obviously, but I think that's something worth mentioning and this is the time to take it. So, and then I've said the odds for the other ones, uh, Jeremy Grant minus 200 Christian Wood plus two fifty, Jalen Brown plus six fifty, Chris Boucher plus 2,500 Julius Randall plus 2,500. So those are your top guys. Kind of what we're going to mention. I'm sure Jack, and aides are going to probably mention the same guys, but I want to hear your guys' takes on them. And I'm interested to see Aiden, who you're about to say, because you said this has been your guy, your solidified guy. So yeah. I could see you going either way for that one, but mm-hmm. I want to we'll hear Jack's first. Yep. Yeah. So I do think like the guys who made the biggest jumps are definitely Christian Wood and Jeremy Grant, just like with point totals, like they jump from like 32 points per game to 20, 20, 23, 24. So just looking at that, like that's such a big jump. I think they're definitely top two. I like Sexton, though. I feel like Sexton can low-key be kind of a dark horse, and I love him. Young Bull, I saw him play at Alabama on the five-on-three game. I saw him drop 40, 40 points. On, on, he had three, two teammates, three-on-five against Minnesota, and I think he's a dog, and I want him to keep performing. And I think if he just needs to get that point total a little bit higher, and I can see him like being in that conversation. That's a great shout. Yeah, agreed. So my favorite's been Jeremy Grant. Absolutely loved him when he was in OKC. It was awesome seeing his progression as a player from kind of, I'd always, anytime I'd watch games where he was younger, so his first year in OKC was 2016, it would on occasion look like he was a baby deer learning how to run because he's just a super lanky guy, athletic, but doesn't quite know how to use it yet. And you could see him slowly putting it together and seeing him, go to Detroit after a lot of success in Denver and bet on himself and outright say, you know, I wanted a bigger role. And as a role player, as a lifelong role player, he's 26, which that's younger than I thought he was considering he's been league since 2014. But he comes out and says, you know, I'm going to bet on myself. I want a bigger role here. And everyone questioned that. And I also, to a certain extent, I'm like, you know, in Detroit, I'm not sure maybe he'll be a 15 a game guy, but he's putting up, 23 and five right now and has mm-hmm. just been super super fun to watch christian wood kind of falls in him him and christian wood to me are kind of that same category of player of these kind of semi journeyman status guys who play that awkward tweener position almost whether it's small forward to power forward to power forward to center and have really been able to find success this year another one too i think sexton is a very very potent dark horse candidate here especially if that Cavs team can get into the playoffs I think with them moving away from Drummond giving more minutes to Jared Allen it's a possibility because you know it's the east anyone that's playing games in the eastern conference absolutely has a shot at making the playoffs (laughs) I think Jalen Brown for me was a little too good last year to win it this year I think that's absolutely going to kill him he's already kind of that high tier status although he has been you know, a top three most improved player. So I'd say my top three right now, Jeremy Grant, one, Christian Wood, two, and then three, I'm going to put Sexton and Randall into a tie. I think if the Knicks continue playing the way that they're playing and perhaps there is a drop-off from, you know, Jeremy Grant's points per game, I think Christian Wood's absolutely going to get slaughtered for the record. Jeremy Grant probably will too. Granted, the rosters around them aren't good, 
But if, you know, if you have two playoff teams and the guys are putting up similar stats to what those other guys are putting up, I could see them going the way of, you know, Julius Randle or Colin Sexton there. So that's, to me, I think this is year in and year out. This is always my favorite award personally, because it, it, it's, it's the most interesting one. I think that they vote on MVP. You know what to expect coming into the year. I can't remember the last time we had an MVP appear out of nowhere. Whereas most improved is literally, it has to appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are some signs here or there where you can have a guy that's showing great potential, but with most improved, it's, you know, who expected Christian Wood to blow up like that? Jeremy Grant to blow up like that. Chris, Chris Boucher for crying out loud. Colin Sexton, who was rated the worst guard in the league. I want to say, was, was that <laughs> yeah. last year? That was, was last, that last year. year? Yeah. That last year. Worst guard in the league. Him and Darius Garland are actually a nice combination. Awesome. Right now. They're awesome. They're, they're, they're fun. fun they're fun little combo guard. It's, it's crazy. So that, that to me, this has always been my favorite word. So final, final topic we're going to touch on another word one defensive player of the year. This one's this year, more than other years, in my opinion, this one, super, super interesting. So who do we like for defensive player of the year this year? Look, I mentioned that I'm a Pacers fan. and It's about time that people put some respect on Miles Turner's name. I mean, he is averaging the most blocks per game. He has the most blocks. He has been doing this for the past few years, but this year he's taken even a bigger step. I mean, if you watch the Pacers without him and on the on the feet on the court, I mean, it's not even close to the same defense. Uh, just the element that he has, uh, teams need to start actually game planning against him. People are, if you watch him, people are scared to drive the lane. I mean, he blocks everybody. And I'm not even going to talk about anybody else. It's Miles Turner's award. He's not going to get it because no one respects Indiana sports. But it's his award, and no one else should even be in the top. Yeah, well, Rudy Gobert is going to win. So that that's who's at the top. Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player on the best team in the NBA right now. He's also won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. He's the reason why you can't drive in the paint against – Utah Jazz, and I think it's Rudy Gobert to lose, and so does DraftKings. And didn't win last <laughs> year, too. We're not it it wouldn't be a repeat Sponsors. winner either. Uh, sure. Miles Turner, plus 300. Ben Simmons, plus 500. AD, plus 600. He's not winning. Giannis isn't winning at plus 1,400. Uh, I think it's Rudy Gobert to lose. I understand the Miles Turner. Rudy, 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 Rudy. Miles Turner, I like him. On defense, hate him on offense, so therefore I don't like him. Um, I think it's Rudy Gobert to lose. Um, that's the, this is really the only award besides Quinn Snyder winning Coach of the Year that the Jazz really have a potential to win. And that Jordan being the Clarkson. case, oh, and Jordan Clarkson, and Jordan I take Clarkson. it back. Shoot, but I think I think it's Rudy Gobert to lose, especially just if they finish at the top of the East or the West. So um, it's interesting to see, but Rudy Gobert is my guy. Yep, and I totally agree with Schultz with Rudy. I think it's his to lose, best team in the NBA. He's the best defensive player on that team. I think it's, like, undisputed that Rudy is definitely a front runner right now. Um, actually, I agree with Schultz on this, too, Miles Turner. I'm glad he's good for something now because I feel like he was useless. Like, I thought the Pacers should have got rid of him. I was like, why is he still on? He doesn't do anything. He shoots threes, and he's 6'10", and he doesn't make them. But, no, credit. I'll give credit where credit's due. He's a good defensive player now. I still don't like him on offense, though, like Schultz said. Um, but good on defense. I'm glad he's good for something for the Pacers. 
Yeah, it's got to be Gobert for me. I wish we were at a point where a guard could win this award. I don't know if we will ever see a guard win this award, frankly. All right, Lou I Dort. Think, yeah, if there was a – I was going to say, this was my Lou Dort plug. Absolutely love them, man. I think if there was an award, he would be up for it. It's this – much like the – uh, rookie of the year voting it to me the more interesting thing here is who gets placed on those defensive teams at the end of the season mm-hmm. versus the award itself because the award itself it's pretty telegraphed it'll be rudy or miles turner i don't see it going really any other way even with honestly even if let's say there is an injury sustained by rudy gobert i don't think Miles Turner could surpass him unless Rudy literally does not play the rest of the year. That's the Miles Turner starts playing like Sabonis, then then we'll start talking. Yeah, I mean maybe, but you know, defensively, I think doesn't even make sense. Turner's been (laughs) Turner's been good, very very good defensively again this year. Uh, But the issue with Rudy is Rudy doesn't. Rudy's stats are still insane, but Rudy doesn't get nearly as many stats as he should get because people just don't even try with him. Mm -hmm. It's. Like you can't, I'm sure there is some sort of advanced statistic out there. I mean, you know, you have shooting percentage at the rim, yeah, it's probably like but shots. It, they just don't, they don't even try. They don't even look his way. And I honestly, I can't remember before Rudy seeing kind of that defensive player that just didn't or really disincentivize teams from even attempting layups, attempting to mm-hmm. drive into the paint. I know Tyson Chandler in his prime, I hate making that reference, but Tyson Chandler in his prime was pretty dang good, and I remember seeing some of that out of him, but not nearly to the sustained level. I think you might have to honestly go back to Dwight Howard. But even with yeah, Dwight, that's though, I was thinking. That's, that's a lot of athleticism-based. Yeah. Whereas with Rudy, don't get me wrong, he's athletic. He's not Dwight athletic. And just genetically with you know that wingspan, with his instincts, I think – Rudy is he he is an all-time defender you know the mm-hmm. likes of Ben Wallace Matumbo those types of guys where it it's going to be a long long time I think before we see someone like Rudy Gobert again yeah as long as he doesn't give the rest of the league COVID again I think we're good yeah <laughs> that was the biggest oh man I remember watching that and the second I saw the interview I'm like there's no shot this end that was karma at work right there lo and behold watching watching that OKC game that night too I will I will never forget that (laughs) because I was I was watching it I had the broadcast feed for whatever reason I had the stadium feed instead of the regular tv feed oh I know what you're saying do with that information what you will but (laughs) hearing the actual guy say everything is fine you're all safe go home I'm just like oh boy here we go that's when it that's when it got real with me. Yeah. So we landed, we landed back yeah. from Miami and mm-hmm. I was supposed to go to the Bucks game the next day. We literally get off the plane and I look up Twitter and it just says NBA season canceled. And I was like, yeah. are you like, I was so close to be able to at least seeing one more game. And then mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert had to go touch every mic and scare. I mean, obviously yeah. it was the right it call. Was, to cancel it was crazy. It postpone. But, um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's it for this week. Or this episode, I don't even know if this week's the right terminology. We'll figure that out going forward. We don't forward. know. We'll figure it out as we go along. So thank you for listening. We'll have a lot more college basketball, less NBA on the others. But pretty much the way this will work, we'll talk about anything sports-related that isn't hockey or soccer unless there's some absolute breaking news. Sorry for all the hockey kids in the house that may or may <laughs> not end up giving this a listen. But overall, this was super fun. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time.